The U of A and UCLA played their last conference game in uh, Tucson. Uh, and uh, as members of at least the Pac-12 conference for a wide range of topics from Valley to Tucson. We're uh, now going out to the KDUS hotline. Now joined the sports on by Doug Howard, the athletic and Doug as somebody who allegedly was attending the university of Arizona, I was enrolled, but I didn't go to class very often uh, during when the UVA joined the Pac-12, the Pac conference back in those days, I've been to a bunch of uh, UCLA, U, uh, U of A games over the last 45 years. I was sad to watch on TV on Saturday the final matchup in Tucson. You wrote a tremendous piece at The Athletic last week about the uh, U of A-UCLA basketball history with extensive information and quotes. How long did you take you to compile all this information and write the piece? Hi, Bob. Um, you know, a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I knew that game was coming up. And I knew I wanted to write something on it because I don't know. I mean, I, I know people in the West understand the importance and the significance and the history behind UCLA, Arizona. I don't know if people do nationally. I mean, it's everything's kind of geared toward the East anyway. So I just made a list. And, I, and to be honest, Bob, when I first started writing it, um, I just, I, I didn't know like an angle. I just knew I wanted to write something about the rivalry. Uh, and I noticed two things. One, everybody that I reached out to on both sides of the rivalry wanted to talk because they're so upset about UCLA going to the big 10 and Arizona going to uh, the big 12. And the other thing, just the, the, the 1992 game, which I've structured the story around and how great of a college Mm -hmm. basketball contest, one of the best in in Pac-12 history um, that game was, I knew I wanted to center the story around that. Yeah, I remember watching that game on TV. I was living in Las Vegas, and that was one of the best college basketball games I've ever seen, and I watch a billion college basketball games. Uh, Don McClain, <laughs> quite the villain still, huh? But it's a little less than it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for people our age, I think they remember Don McClain, and he was, I mean, and not, you know, he's a great college basketball analyst has worked for the Pac-12 Network uh, for years. But back in the day, he was uh, not well-liked, particularly in Tucson. He just kind of had a swagger to him. Um, you know, and it wasn't just opponents. I mean, even people on, you know, his, his former teammates said that he was an acquired taste. But, you know, every rivalry needs someone like Don McClain, someone to really kind of, uh, you know, fire yeah. up everybody when he walked into the gym. Don was that guy, and he loved being that guy. He He, he, he relished it. Uh, and he fed off of it. He was the villain. I mean, he was the definition of a villain. I mean, right to be a Bill Lambeer in the NBA. You love him if you're on your yeah. team, even though, as you mentioned, it was an acquired taste for some of his teammates. And if you're playing against the dude, you couldn't stand him. Even if you just watched like a few <laughs> minutes, you automatically couldn't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just I mean, just in that game, the 92 game, you know, he, he gets fouled. Luke Olsen gets called for a technical. So he goes to the foul line, makes four free throws, and then walks over to the student section and raises his hand. Um, <laughs> you know, which, you know, I went back and watched the game again. And, and you know, Luke Olsen did not appreciate him doing that. Um, so, yeah, I asked Don, I said, could you have survived? Could you have done that today in the social media age? You know, just with all the, you know, all the toxicity uh, that comes with social media and he said that's a good question he said i don't know he said but i know i needed to do it at that time to be the player i was yeah that's really good it's an excellent question and uh you know it's uh, something that uh, few things have changed since 1992 i've noticed that over the years 
Uh, okay, so there's along those lines. This year's U of A team started strong. They've been, I think, vulnerable since the uh, middle of uh, December. They were lucky to win that game on Saturday. How good do you think is this year's U of A's team? Uh, Bob, I, uh, if you had asked me that uh, at one point in the season, I would have said really good. Um, now, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think this is somewhat of a time where you don't want to overreact because, you know, you're coming off the holidays, the conference season is starting, and, and you, it's not unusual for good teams to, to stumble at some point. Um, you know, they have – not that, you know, the Washington State game obviously is, is kind of a, a red flag – didn't look good at all against UCLA, I didn't think. Uh, but I think they have pieces, uh, you know, that that shows that they're going to be a team that, you know, they should win the, the, the conference hands down. I don't think that's much of a question. But I think they have, they're better built maybe for March. But it, it'll be interesting to see how they come out of this stretch. I would expect them maybe to start turning on uh, in a couple weeks in February to gear up toward March. But, yeah, the, there have been a couple games here recently that have been concerning for sure. Okay, even with U of A off to the uh, Big 12 and UCLA off to the Big 10 uh, next season, it appears that the U of A and UCLA will continue to play in non-conference games. So certainly the coaches seem like they want to do that. Do you get that sense? I, yeah, well, that was the first question I, you know, I checked before I even wrote that story. Is, is there a commitment to um, you know, continuing this? And it, it sounds like you know, both sides definitely want to. But you know how that goes. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's a commitment to it. They aim to do it. You could sign contracts and everything, but sometimes, you know, non-conference uh, schedule scheduling gets tricky, and maybe you have to drop it for a year or so. Um, you know, and the interesting thing talking to all those guys, and I'm like, well, the rivalry will continue. They, you know, none none of them. I mean, they were glad, but they said it's not going to be the same. And you know, uh, Matt Offick from Arizona said every time you you start a season, your first goal is to win the conference. And back when we played, if you were going to win a conference that night, you had to beat UCLA. So there was so much going into that game. Um, you know, they all agreed that it's not going to be the same. Damon Stoudemire said it's never going to be the same. <laughs> you know, he was pretty strong about it. He said they're going to play one conference game a year. Who cares? Um, you know, some guys mentioned that it's pro- it probably will be – it might even be at a neutral site, which would be really a, a disappointment. I haven't heard anything along those lines. But that, you know, that, that would seem to be how these things go nationally. Uh, which would really mm-hmm. be unfortunate just because of the you know the atmosphere of McHale. You mentioned Don McLean being the villain for UCLA. Really, the villain for Arizona all these years has been McHale. <laughs> you know, can you overcome McHale? Yeah, um, that would be that would be really unfortunate if it went that direction. Doug Howard, the Athletic Curl in the Sports Zone. Big news from Tucson on Monday: the departure of Athletic Director Dave Hickey. Were you surprised? I think everybody was surprised by that one. Um, and, and well, it, yeah. It, it, but when you have a situation where you uh, are in a financial hole, uh, you know, the two hundred and what is it, thirty, two hundred thirty, two hundred forty million dollar miscalculation in quotes, um, changes have yeah. to be made. And I know President Robbins has said that he feels like the um, the athletic department could be or hasn't produced um, financially as much as it, it could at the revenue source. Um, you know, eventually that's probably going to fall back on the athletic director. Uh, so in that sense, it's not a surprise. But, you know, the surprising part is, is just the timing of it, having just hired a new football coach um, and also as, you know, <laughs> the entire athletic department 
and in the university in some respects is, is, you know, heading toward this huge transition of going to the Big 12. So, you know, a lot going on with that. It just seems like an odd time to look for uh, an athletic director. But, you know, they have, they have some issues for sure, and I don't know how quick, quickly those are going to be ironed out. But, uh, you know, with Jed Fish departing, um, it, it'll be an interesting time for them. So what do you think about the football program now? You know, as you mentioned, Fish departed after the one really good 10-3 and three season and Brett Brennan is in. Uh, what do you foresee there? Well, I thought Jed Fish was perfect for Tucson. Um, he brought energy. You, he was a kind of coach. And, um, you know, I've been around long enough that when you're around a first-year coach, they all say the same thing. They all say very similar things. But you can tell the coaches who are just saying it because that's the script, that's what needs to be said, and you could tell the coach who the coaches who actually believe what they're saying, Bob. Uh, Jed Fish, I felt like being around him uh, as much as I was in the early days, that you know this he, this might work, this hire might work, and it did quicker than I think anybody expected. Um, he proved what can be accomplished at a basketball school, a school that has had, you know, when he took over was you could arguably say was in the worst shape of any power five program in the country and to win 10 games three years later, that's remarkable. As a side note, I'm not convinced that that will translate that energy, that passion translates at a school that, you know, at like Washington, um, you know, (laughs) energy, passion, that's all great, but it's not needed. It's not, it doesn't need that fan base, all that that's already there. So I'm not sure whether Jed fish will be successful in other places, but he, I thought he was perfect for uh, for Tucson. And, you know, it's kind of the nature of college football uh, now these days that people kind of go where the money is. It's a better job, obviously. But I really think I would have been more concerned about that program if uh, the new Saturday didn't come out that Noah Fafita and uh, T-Mac weren't going to come back. Um, right. Those two guys are extremely talented. I mean, Noah Fafita is, is an incredibly talented quarterback, you know, I, I, people have called him maybe a French Heisman Trophy candidate um, next year. I don't know if next year, but I think it's in his future. I think he's that good. How is he not the starting quarterback to begin the year? I know that Delora was good before, but uh, I mean, <laughs> you just watch the two dudes. I mean, my God, there's no comparison. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think they brought in, you know, they 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 signed or they got a commitment from from uh, Fafita, and then they brought in uh, Jane Delora as a transfer and. You know, maybe it made sense to start uh, to go with a more accomplished, experienced quarterback. Um, you know, but I've, ta- I've talked to – I did a story on Noah earlier this year, and, you know, I talked to his dad. You know, everything they did, they, they – um, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't like, oh, great, you know, Jaden goes down against Stanford. Now we got to get our backup ready. They had been grooming him. I mean, they knew. It wasn't like they didn't know that Noah was going to be their guy at some point. They knew. Uh, so, you know, they had been grooming him. He was in all the me- leadership meetings. Um, his, his actual NIL deal was, he was pretty good for a backup. Not that the university has any say in that, but, um, you know, it, the coaching staff was well aware of how talented he was, but yeah, when, when somebody actually, until they actually get on the field to do it, I think maybe everyone's like, wow, why didn't this happen a little bit earlier? Talking with Doug Haller from The Athletic. Okay, let's uh, shift to the Valley here. The Suns have won six straight. Have they turned it around? Man, I hate to say that. I, I, I mean, it's it's the question. It seems like right. I, I hate to ask that like <laughs> because so many times this year, Bob, I felt like okay, I think they're gonna they're starting to put it together. And even during this um, six game win streak, you know, they beat the Pacers. You know, but you know they were down one in the final minutes. 
you know, and the, the Pacers were playing without Tyree Halliburton, um, you know, can, I don't trust them to be able to get stops, even though they've been better defensively these last in the fourth quarter, these last two games, uh, I still have concerns there, but I will say having those three guys on the court, uh, you know, Billy Donovan said it last night, you know, they're, they're the best team offensive team in the league when those three guys are on the court. Then you add in Grayson Allen, who's just you know throwing in jump wide open jumpers in the corner all night. Um, they're dangerous. You know they're getting ready to go on this road streak or road trip. I think seven games. You know they're they're winnable games. I wouldn't be surprised if this winning streak can maybe stretch you know to nine ten games. Uh, even though winning on the road is hard, you know it's possible. Whether or not they've turned the corner. I, you know, I'm not. I just can't go and become like a championship contender that we've all expected from the from day one. I'm not there yet, but they're sh- no, without question they're in a much better place than they were a couple of weeks ago. The Diamondbacks pitchers and catchers begin spring training on Valentine's Day. Uh, the organization's certainly been busy this off season. Do do we know if they have anything else planned before February 14th? Well, I think everyone's kind of speculated that they're looking for someone who can fill that DH role. Um, so possibly there. Uh, but, you know, what they've done in the offseason, I think if you're a Diamondbacks fan, you have to be encouraged bolstering the, the pitching staff, adding a third baseman, uh, making key signings to your free agents. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're building off of their net. You can tell it's an organization that's not satisfied. Ken Kendrick has said they're going to have the highest payroll uh, that they've had in their history. Um, you know, I think it's hard to say that, uh, you know, they're going to do what they did last year just based on what the Dodgers did and, and everything else in their division. But, you know, you have to be encouraged with, I think they've improved their team for sure over, uh, you know, the end since they you know, were in the, since we last saw them in the world series. Uh, and you, the great thing about it, Bob, is I think there's an anticipation for, for spring training, <laughs> you know, when, yeah. when's the last time you could say that people can't wait, uh, for this team to get back out on the field. Uh, and that's great. That's great. You know, I was just being there for the World Series games. Um, you know, there, this can be a baseball town. You know, I don't know if we're there yet, but just the energy and passion. Uh, I've covered Super Bowls here. I've covered, you know, big college football games uh, all over the country. And the World Series, you know, what, uh, you know, how the, the energy in that stadium, which is <laughs> normally not quite to that level, it, it was impressive. It really was. And I really – I'm really – anxious to see how the team responds. I also am even more uh, excited to see how the fan base uh, kind of rallies around this team. Yeah. And I, usually they kind of need to get off to a fast start for people to stay interested in any sport in this town. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, if they would stumble out of the blacks uh, blocks early, I hope that people stick with them. So it'd be a, that'll be an interesting little test here. Speaking of uh, that type of thing, the Cardinals, they won too many damn games. Uh, they're drafted in fourth. <laughs> uh, do we expect them to be active in free agency, the Cardinals? Well, they have, yeah, they have to. They have to be. Um, you know, finishing where they did and doing it the way they did, um, you know, signing guys to minimal contracts, getting guys in here, good character guys, football character guys, as Jonathan Gannon likes to say. Um, all of that was done to kind of build the foundation that they want. Uh, culture is an overused term, but I think this year for the Cardinals it was important. Uh, but now you have to add talent. I mean, I think for most of the year it was obvious that the Cardinals were at a pretty significant talent disadvantage. So they have the cap space to go out and pursue 
free agents. Um, they're positioned well, even with uh, the fourth pick. They're positioned well even with the Houston Texans doing better than what anybody thought. Um, yeah. They're positioned well in the draft. So they're, they are in a place where they can make a significant jump. Does that mean they can contend for the playoffs? I don't know, but it's in the NFL. It's certainly possible, um, you know. And it, Kyler Murray uh, was the big question, of course. And you know, I felt like he did enough to keep his job, or you know, to be the guy. Uh, you know, is he ever going to be? Is he going to be a top ten quarterback? I don't. I don't know that, Bob. I don't know the answer to that. But I do think they can win with him. And I think that's the question uh, that they needed answered this year. So defense and wide receiver, would those be maybe the top targets here? Pretty much anything in defense except for safety uh, and wide receiver. Am I yeah. accurate in uh, you know, guessing that? No, yeah, I think you're right. I think you could go 1A, 1B with that. Uh, I think with, if there's a talent like Marvin Harrison available uh, at number four, even though, you know, one through five taking a wide receiver – uh, a little risky, I think, but yeah. unless it's the right guy. I mean, we've certainly seen that uh, play out in the past with Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson in years, um, not saying that Marvin Harrison will be in that class, but uh, the receivers last year um, were lacking, to say it lightly. Uh, you know, and that was, I think that's one of the reasons it made it so hard to kind of evaluate Tyler's progress uh, is, you know, they were just so limited there. And Trey McBride, the the tight end had a breakout year, but other than that, when Greg Dortch is kind of your, you know, your your main playmaker yeah. out there, uh, you, you have obstacles. So that's definitely a place that they need to upgrade defensively, like you said, across the board. They weren't getting a pass rush at all for you know those last handful of games. Um, really need help there on the defensive line. So and corners been, gosh, it seems like that's huh. just an annual thing with the Cardinals that they've always needed yes. somebody to go out there and shut somebody down. I've been joking for years. It used to be like for you know, like a decade, it was, can they find a corner opposite Packer Peterson? And uh, then, then it's basically, could they find two corners? And now they need like four of them. So other than yeah. that, uh, things, you know, it's that that's like to me the biggest area that need to, they need to address, uh, especially in a division where you got the Rams and the 49ers still. Yeah, you're not going to survive uh, if you can't impact a quarterback in some way and if you can't slow down. Uh, I mean, there are so many talented receivers in the NFL these days. You, you have to do it. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm always hesitant to give first year. You know, Jonathan Gannon and his staff, I thought, did a great job. At the same time, you know, they won four games. So this is big for them. They need to really take a huge leap, and they have uh, the assets in place with the cap space, the draft positioning to do it. Um, I think Monty Austin Ford uh, has done really well uh, in his first year's GM, but I think this is really where he's going to have to be uh, on top of his game for the Cardinals to take the next step. Doug, appreciate it as always. Really enjoyed the Juve and UCLA nostalgia. That was great stuff. And uh, having, uh, you know, familiar with all those players to some extent uh, that you, uh, you know, had quotes about and that was fun. So thanks. Thanks for that. And uh, I'm sure we'll be checking back soon. Thanks. All right, cool, Bob. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. My pleasure. Doug Howard from The Athletic. And if uh, you're just even a casual U of A fan or just a casual college basketball fan, you need to check out uh, Doug for a lot of reasons, but especially that story from late last week about the U of A and UCLA. I immediately got a hold of Kayla and said, we got to get Doug 
but I can't really do it till next Tuesday because we got all this NFL stuff going on. So we got it in today. 